Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a therapeutic edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Here, have a seat on the couch. Yeah, prop your feet up. That's it. You know, as Alabama fans, this has been quite a week. Let's talk about it. You know, first, Saban went and got all mad at us. And, well, then Saturday happened. What was that all about? During the game, you know, we all got mad and probably said some things. And, well, then somehow we won. And that brought back a a rush of old feelings, exuberance and joy. What's that all about? It's really just so confusing. We lost almost, and, and then we won, and now we get to play in the SEC championship game, but we have to play Georgia. We might make the college football playoffs, and then we might have to play Georgia again. You know, Saban teams are supposed to get better. They're supposed to improve, and but you know, we knew that this was a flawed team. Remember, We've resigned ourselves. We've prepared ourselves for this. This team could win it all or drop two games, two more games by repeal day. We've talked about this, right? So look at it this way. We've actually, in save and speak, raised the floor. Repeal day is December the 5th, and we can no longer lose two more games by then. Learn your name in Morse code day, January the 11th. Well, that's still in the running, but... That's improvement, right? So let's build on that. Let's recognize and appreciate that. Alabama did just win its 11th game of the regular season. That qualifies as impressive. There are teams that have never done that. Can you imagine why just this last week, Ole Miss won their 10th regular season game in the history of their program ever? I know, right? And hey, Saban even started rotating younger players into the action earlier, not waiting until halftime of a championship game. See there? More improvement. Now, how about this? Are you ready to talk about Saturday's game? Yeah, I know. We haven't named it yet, but maybe we should. Think about it now. Alabama probably doesn't win this game if other lessons had not been previously learned. 
battling hostile crowds in Gainesville and College Station, on the ropes and needing the defense against LSU, the back-and-forth live action against Arkansas. Did you know they've won two trophies already? Yeah, I know. How does that happen? But you know what? For all its imperfection, this was Alabama's most complete win of the season. It really was. So you're right. This isn't so bad, and it's certainly better than it used to be. Are you ready for more? You want to talk about this a little bit more? All right, let's do it. Offense, you're up. So Saturday, Bryce Young probably had his best and worst performances uh, of the year. The worst part of it was not his fault. The best part of it, well, let's just say Bryce is one cool cucumber and the team really rallied around him Saturday. Overall, Bryce was 25 of 51, under 50%, below his average, certainly. He threw for 317 yards, and can you imagine that 85 of those came on the last drive in regulation? It was a 97-yard drive, but there were uh, two rushes by Bryce for 12 yards. So 85 of the 317 came on uh, the last possession in overtime. You can calculate the yards in the overtime, uh, which you're going to get up to about a third of his uh, of his offensive uh, pass production came sort of late in the fourth, the last drive in, in overtime, which you know by itself is impressive. If you look at the Alabama performance sort of writ large, there's a lot not to like. Uh, Alabama was 8 of 22 on third downs, 1 of 4 on fourth downs, allowed seven sacks, allowed seven tackles for loss. Uh, Alabama only netted 71 yards rushing had 129 penalty yards, which is an incredible number. Uh, Just absolute yuck in that regard. But there was a moment when sort of the light switch flipped. It was 132 left in the fourth quarter, Alabama down by seven, and that's when water started to find its level. The Alabama uh, offense really gained confidence, and the the, uh, Auburn defense was was really worn out. At that point, they had uh, right at about 80 plays. And Alabama uh, drove 97 yards uh, for the tying touchdown. And it was a drive that had its own sort of ebb and flow. It was a drive itself that had its own sort of struggle, if you will. The first two plays from the ninety from the three-yard line needing to go 97, the first two of those plays were incompletions. It wasn't until third down that Mechie was hit uh, on a 22-yard pass, and that only got the ball to the 25, only to the 25, still 75 yards to go. Uh, There was a short run and two more uh, incompletions before Jalil Billingsley, of all players, converts on a fourth and seven. A fourth and seven from, what's that, to 28 to keep a drive alive. Uh, Billingsley caught uh, that crossing pass, uh, crossing route for uh, 14-yard catch. It was his only catch of the day. It was only his second target of the, target of the day, and we've seen Billingsley have drops. And so the confidence to go to him in that situation is is just astronomical. The drive still had two more incompletions. We're talking a 12-play drive, 97 yards, 12 plays, six incompletions. Half the plays went for nothing on this drive. But it was still the two more incompletions before uh, Ja'Cory Brooks wrote his name in, in Crimson Flame. And it was a beautiful over-the-shoulder catch, uh, say hey Willie Mays uh, style, very tough grab. And, of course, we had the tying kick. And, and you wonder, where did all that come from? 
We had so much of the game that was angst. It was painful. Uh, it was inevitable. Uh, if you use the ESPN sort of stat tracker, it was it was well over 99% chance that Auburn was going to win the game. It points through that drive. Even even as Alabama started to move the ball, it it didn't Alabama didn't cross midfield, and it was still a 90% chance that uh, that Auburn was going to was going to win that game. And so you think, where did all this come from? And it really really came, as Alabama fans, let's bolster ourselves here, it really came from Bryce Young's leadership and his composure. And it was his leadership and his composure that were earned, that were earned throughout the season. The confidence that his teammates had in him, the confidence that he had in his teammates. Some of that started in, in spring. Some of that started in summer. Some of that started in fall. Some of that started uh, throughout the season. But through all the ups and downs with live rounds, uh, during the season, it really fostered uh, the confidence with Bryce, uh, his leadership, his composure, and the confidence that he had in his teammates and the teammates had in him. It For Alabama fans and for the Alabama team, this was a complex season. It's an 11-1 season. Most teams around the globe would trade places with Alabama. But for Alabama, it's a complex season. There's been a lot of angst. That's why Saban did the rant that he did uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And there's there's truly something to that. And, and truly, as a fan base, this has, in many regards, been a challenging season because it hasn't followed sort of the pre-plotted course that we have. We always sort of set our bases. How do we do in the first game against Miami? We played very well. And we know that there's room for improvement, but we showed out against a team that we expected was going to have a good season. Well, Miami tanked, but we thought every week the team would get better and better and, and follow uh, sort of a progressive arc that we've seen before. And it didn't happen this season. It didn't happen the, the same way. There were multiple times this Alabama team could have lost, should have lost, Saturday uh, certainly being uh, amongst those. Uh, but this team has fortified itself uh, again, a complex situation uh, for the team, as fans, but the leadership and composure uh, across the board uh, has has been outstanding. Now, I say that and I'm going to transition into talking about the offensive line because most of the game Saturday, the offensive line was terrible. And most of the game Saturday, it was the worst offensive line performance that we've seen. Now, good on Auburn for their blitz package. Uh, I like uh, I like a lot of what they did from from their vantage point, and they really disrupted uh, the Alabama line. But also good on Coach Saban for being willing to make adjustments, and not just Saban, but the the the, the entire staff. Seth McLaughlin, uh, just a sophomore, very limited playing time, maybe a little undersized for the center position. He subs in for Darian Dalcourt, who's still battling uh, an ankle injury. And was has been playing well, but just against Auburn, he just couldn't. Uh, he he really struggled in the middle, and so Seth rotated in, and at the same time, uh, Chris Owens rotated uh, back in for Damian George at the right tackle position, and that may be the harder decision, right? If if Dalcourt has to come out because he's injured and he's not performing up to his standard. Uh, then that makes sense, right? Logically, I can see that we need to make that move. And then you say, well, who do we rotate in? You almost you almost have to say Chris Owens because he started some at that position. And he lost his job at right tackle for, for lack of performance. And Saban does the double switch, which think about this for a moment. 
we're bringing in Seth McLaughlin in this situation, in this game. So not our number two center. We're bringing in our number three center. And then we're, we're reversing field on our decision at right tackle. We brought in Damian George to replace Chris Owens because Chris Owens wasn't getting it done. And so in essence, I'm not literally saying this, but there's a mindset that says, if we put Owens back in for Damian George, are we saying that we got it wrong? Are we saying that we never should have made this move in the first place? I'm going to say no, but is there a perception that that could uh, uh, that it could be interpreted that way? Well, 100% it could be. You're also in this move putting in, not only putting back Chris Owens, who really struggled at right tackle, and you're doing this against Auburn's, who's eating up the right tackle. You're putting in your third string center. You're swapping out essentially – what is that? Forty percent of the offensive line under live fire. Uh, that's that was. Uh, I think that's a bold move for the coach to make, uh, and bold moves were needed. So let's uh, let's look at that realistically as well. But both Seth and Chris stepped in and stepped up, and the rest of the offensive line uh, truly rallied uh, around them, and that's something uh, impressive to see. What's interesting. You know, now here we are on the cusp of the SEC championship game, the biggest, truly the biggest game of the season. And we can't name who our starting line is. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, you know, I'm probably going to assume that Dow Court comes back healthy at center and that Chris Owens uh, stays at right tackle. That's what I would guess. Now, if we get through the re- week and and Dow Court's ankle doesn't uh, doesn't heal up or maybe a Damian George has a phenomenal week and 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 practice. Do you put Owens back at center? Uh, What do you do with Seth? There's a lot of different permeations uh, of this. And and so it makes it hard to predict what's going to happen at the offensive line. I'm going to make an assumption of who the starters are. uh, And then I'll, I'll, uh, and then I'll have a follow-up comment on that. I think Dalkirk comes back at center. I think Chris Owens starts at right tackle, I think. uh, And then you go with, with Cohen and Neil and Echior and there's your five. That's my prediction for the starting five, but my parallel prediction is that's not the that's not the five who finish the game. Uh, that may be the start. That may be the five who start the game. That will not be the five who finish the game uh, against Georgia. So we're gonna have to watch that very very close uh, to see how that shakes out. Uh, to see who, when, and where uh, player rotations are made across the offensive line. That will be the matchup to watch. Their DL versus Alabama's OL. But let's focus on this game and continue to sort of run through uh, position groups and players like we do. Let's talk about the pass catchers, the receivers. Jamison Williams, uh, just an electric player, was having a good day. He had two catches uh, for 43 yards, but he was ejected for a helmet-to-helmet, a target shot. It was the right call. Uh, He's a fast guy, so we had him down there on punt return. Saban uh, routinely talks about his starters playing in those positions. It helps them get to the next level because they're willing and then able uh, to play special teams, and so it helps them make rosters. The starters like that. They want to play, and and Jamison clearly was a player who wanted contact in that situation. He wanted to participate. He wanted uh, to contribute to the team. Unfortunately, he didn't look at what he was hitting. He lowered his head and launched, and and if he had had his head up and and hit with his shoulder, it would have been the same the same hit, the same sort of tenacity. Uh, it would have been safer, safer and healthier for him. 
And it also would have been safer and healthier for the Alabama game plan because he would have stayed in the game. If there's a silver lining and Jamison uh, in his ejection, we're so happy that it happened in the first half so that he only had to miss the second half of the Auburn game. Had that play happened even just a few minutes later, early in the third quarter, he still would have missed the second half of the Auburn game, but he also would have missed the first half of the Georgia game. And we need him for Georgia. And so, again, we don't want him kicked out. We don't want that to have happened. We can reevaluate that across multiple streams. But if we pause, take a deep breath and say, well, at least we didn't lose him for any of the Georgia game, and we'll and we'll take that. J-Mo, though, when we think about his contribution and his skill set, it's he is a unique player for Alabama to have lost. We could have we could have uh, for a targeting. We could have lost many other players, and it would not have the same seismic impact to the Alabama offense. There are plays, there are routes, there are schemes, there are formations that you say next man up, next player up, run run the same thing but with a different player. You can do that. But the theory behind some of the concepts, the approach, the attack philosophy in some of the schemes and some of the plays that Alabama runs are hinged upon a speedy receiver, uh, a receiver that has the skill set and talent that Jamison does. So you're not just losing a receiver and someone has to step up. You are losing a headline feature of the Alabama offense hey, they've got a guy that can take the top off the defense. When that guy is on the field, it's a different scheme. It's a different attack. It's a different mentality that this offense has versus when he's not. And Auburn fans erupted when he was ejected because they knew that. They understood that principle. The guy that scares me on every single play because he could score from anywhere on the field is no longer in the game. Holy cow. The guy that Roger McCreary was covering, that they were bracketing, that they were double covering, that guy's no longer in the game. Defense just got a whole hell of a lot easier to play for Auburn when Jamison went down. That's a reality of the matter. The fact that the rest of the team, including including Bryce, shifts across the offensive line and other offensive uh, skill players for Alabama, even the defense that everyone rose up and carried a little bit of that load was phenomenal. It shows a team with character. It shows a team with resolve. I'm not predicting great things down the road for this team. I'm saying what we saw Saturday against Auburn, against all of sort of the obstacle, represented greatness. It really, really did. Even if that's only the flash that we get, it was phenomenal. And it was rewarding for Alabama fans as painful. And I hate to say 11-1 season is painful. But for all sort of the ups and downs and uh, that this team has offered, uh, has provided. And again, it's complex, right? The complexity that this season has offered Saturday, late, late, you know, late fourth and, and, and on, this team was electric and delivered, you know, to a level of expectation, if you will. Uh, let's look at other uh, uh, performances that were outstanding. Uh, Mechie was uh, 13 catches uh, for 150 yards. Let's talk about the, the catch that he made that sealed the game. I think Saban called it an out-in or an in-out route, rather. He lined up wide. Uh, Alabama, um, five wide receivers, four on one side, and Emechi alone, uh, alone up top, the left side of the offense. 
And so he runs, and McCreary is on him one-on-one. So you get the matchup. You get the one-on-one matchup you want. You know that McCreary is good. Alabama, we've been watching us run a lot of slants. And so when Mechie fired off the line and and turned to go inside, McCreary, McCreary went with him. He was playing inside leverage, and he went to he went to play the slant. And Mechie put his foot down and cut back outside, and he created that separation. McCreary was playing with inside leverage, so he's already playing towards the middle of the field, uh, or at least shaded inside. And when Mechie went to – and so that that's a hint that, hey, I know that you're going to run a slant, so I'm going to run on inside leverage so I can stay ahead of you when you, run, when you go to run that slant. And Alabama has run that so much this season, past seasons as well. And so when Mechie went and, and essentially faked the slant, McCreary went with him. And and that created the separation. It was a beautiful play design. It's knowing what your tendencies are. The defense are playing is playing your tendency, and you put all of the other skill position players, all of the other eligible receivers on the other side of the field. So you know you're getting one on one. You know how they're going to play it, and you know how you're going to counter how they're going to play it. And it's almost un- indefensible. It was beautiful how that was constructed. Uh, and as Alabama fans, we all want to get mad at Bill O'Brien and, and, hey, maybe there's room for it. But let's think about that because the concept that we saw demonstrated on that play was phenomenal. It was beautiful. And like I said, it was almost indefensible. Uh, and in the execution, of course, uh, off the charts there as well. Bryce perfectly located the ball. And Mechie, who has had some drops, uh, reeled that in. And it was lights out, game over uh, immediately. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, he had two catches for 149, or I'm sorry, for 49. Uh, may as how may as well have been 149 because the the touchdown that he had at the end of uh, towards the end of regulation that allowed with the PAT that allowed Alabama to tie the game game up to send it in overtime uh, was phenomenal. As soon as Jamison went down, I said one of these young guys is going to have to step up. It's going to be someone. It's not going to be uh, you know some one a youngster is going to have to step up and uh, and ended up being uh, Jacory. So kudos to him and really just the the discipline. Uh, and, and the tenacity. Uh, he's a guy that could have checked out, and we've seen some of the younger guys check out, and uh, Ja'Cory stuck with it, uh, continued to compete in practice, to continue to, uh, to compete for his opportunities. And again, we talk about uh, writing his name in Crimson Flame. Ja'Cory uh, Brooks uh, absolutely do that. did that. Uh, Brian Robinson, out of the tailback position, he was 16, uh, 16 carries for 71 yards. He had three catches. Uh, for 29, he had a long run of of 37. Ironically, he was injured, uh, re-injured an ankle on the 37-yard uh, run. You could almost see when he started to wince and he lost a little speed and and he knew that he wasn't going to get the end zone, so he fought and fought and uh, you know got what he could get and and he was essentially done for the day on that. In the what I have read, I've not seen anything. Uh, that indicates one way or the other that he plays against Georgia. I guess we're going to start to find that out uh, early this next week. So that'll be interesting. There were other points in the game where Brian Robinson was just clearly angry. Uh, He was mad. It looked like one time he threw his helmet. Uh, looked like he had a coach trying to console him. And I don't know, is that, hey, a fifth-year senior, and he knows, damn it, I'm going to lose to Auburn, and that pisses me off, or was it something else? I don't know. That's hard to say. Uh, but it looked like there was some 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 tension in that environment. We can't say that that's surprising because it's a competitive spirit. Uh, Trey Sanders, he had 10 carries for 23 yards. Uh, not necessarily big numbers there, but uh, he did uh, come in in relief of, 
of uh, Robinson. He had two catches for 12. After Brian Robinson's injury, there's a critical point in the game. Alabama had to score. There had been a botched field goal opportunity uh, previously. Uh, Alabama was down by uh, two possessions, 10 points. Alabama had to score. And Brian Robinson's big run, 37 yards, really sort of flipped the field, put Alabama in position. And on three consecutive plays uh, following B-Rob going down, Trey Sanders uh, toted the ball 14 yards and set up a field goal that was Alabama, uh, Alabama's first score. Probably a lot of other players that we could talk about on offense. Uh, everyone who caught a ball made a material sort of impact. Slade Bolden caught uh, a touchdown in uh, in overtime, and it was almost the exact route, almost the exact position in the field where he had dropped one earlier in the season. And so there's a theme there, players catching balls that have dropped balls uh, this season at various times. Certainly Mechie has. Uh, certainly uh, Jaleel Billingsley, we've talked about him, and uh, and Slade as well. So it was great to see all of those guys play uh, at a high level and deliver sort of uh, when the need was there. Mini game ball, I think I've mentioned everyone that I would, and, and like I said, there's probably more, uh, but Seth McLaughlin stepping in, he, that's a lineman that didn't expect to play. Let's be realistic. I don't think he went to Opelika expecting to play. Uh, Trey Sanders, uh, certainly he he performed well. We talk about his three consecutive uh, carries that helped set up uh, a, a critical field goal. And then Jalil, we talked about his catch. Just absolutely outstanding. All right, let's flip the field and talk defense. And Alabama's defense was lights out all day. Alabama's defense kept uh, the game close, kept Alabama in the game until the offense started rolling. We talked about, sort of in the intro, about this being Alabama's most complete game uh, in terms of all facets uh, contributing to the outcome and contributing positively to the outcome. That doesn't mean there's not good and bad, but the good from all uh, all facets of, of the team – of the game uh, contributed to the successful outcome of the game. And had any one of those fallen down, Alabama loses the game. We've seen games this season where the offense is so productive that it wins the game outright. And we've seen that uh, multiple times this season. But this game against Auburn, all three legs of the stool needed to operate or this team was going to topple over. Uh, and so uh, we talk about the offense – struggling early, but bailing water late. The defense played very well throughout. You would have liked to have seen the defense get a stop in overtime and win it with the defense making a play as opposed to the offense making a play. But we're not in that situation had the defense uh, not performed well. And in the kicks, I wish we had not botched the snap. And there's a couple other things when we get to special teams. Uh, but every kick that Alabama made – uh, was critical in the outcome of the game. And so let's talk about uh, defense because, again, they were lights out all day and they kept the game close. They kept Alabama in the game. Uh, just some overall stats. Uh, they held Auburn to 5 of 18 on third downs. They held Auburn to a total of 159 total yards, uh, 22 net rushing on 40 carries. Tank Bigsby, probably one of the better running backs uh, in the SEC, maybe even nationally was held on 29 carries to an average of 2.2. Uh, Alabama defense had six sacks in 15 tackles for loss. Just incredible uh, performance, incredible, just outstanding play uh, by the Al uh, Alabama defense. 
Uh, just the note I, I made that the defense was truly the backbone uh, of the game. Auburn, yes, they're not as explosive. They didn't have bone, uh, bone nicks, but the execution is still required. Uh, you got to go out there and you got to execute. You got to beat who uh, who the team is putting out there. And the Alabama defense uh, clearly, clearly did that. Talk about some individual performances. Uh, I want to talk about a unit. Well, let's start here. Uh, across the board, the defense played more physical, more assignment ready than I think they have all season. And so that's outstanding. And every unit uh, just had a breakout day, I would say. Uh, the linebackers I thought were phenomenal. Uh, Toa Toa uh, they, is a is a group. This this group of linebackers has been getting better and better all all season, especially sort of this last uh, sort of home stretch. We talked in the preseason about this linebacker core being an all star team, and 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 then they didn't play at that level for multiple reasons, including injury. And and we sort of uh, we weren't so sure about them, and they are playing now just as we expected them to, and so we need to come back to the expectation we had uh, early. It's satisfying because they're playing at that level; they are delivering. Uh, Toa Toa had nine tackles. Christian Harris uh, he had five. He had one tackle for loss. He really stuck his head in there a couple times, uh, made some big plays. Will Anderson, you know, Will Anderson dispatch right. Will Anderson does Will Anderson things. Uh, he had seven uh, tackles. He had a sack. He had three TFLs. And Dallas Turner, here's a player that we're seeing truly just emerge and grow up in, in front of our eyes. We talked a couple of weeks ago that that he was just about to burst and have a couple, you know, have a he's going to burst and have a two-sack day. And, uh, and then he did that, and he continues to play at a real high level. He's making it tough for Drew Sanders to get back on the, you know, back on the field, and it's just the nature of it. But uh, Dallas Turner, uh, Turner had three tackles, uh, one and a half sacks. He had a uh, QB hurry. And I do want to call out a couple negatives uh, with Dallas Turner. I'm not saying that uh, he almost cost us the game, but let's think this through a little bit. This is a youngster, true freshman, and let's learn from the negatives so he doesn't repeat them. And so let's call him out here, right? Dallas Turner is a phenomenal player. We're not mad at the kid. The kid's going to be an all-star, and we're already seeing some of this manifest. Uh, early in the game, though, he was called for a, a face mask. It was a it was a sack. The quarterback was going down. Dallas Turner could have been in another state at the time that play was made, and the play still would have been made. So he was not materially contributing to the bringing down of the quarterback. He was just there, and in the act of being there, he grabbed a face mask and yanked. It didn't impact the play other than the penalty of of the action. And so it was on a drive where Auburn punted. And so you could say no harm, no foul. But let's think about it. Uh, Auburn punted from uh, the 46. And um, they punted punted from the 46 uh, across to the 15. And the play, the sack, was on a third and two at the 11. And so uh, that's a material field position if they would have punted uh, from the 11 and the ball, maybe just barely, uh, you know, at that, at that number, that's what 35, 39. And so if you're at the 11 and you punt from 49, you're not making midfield. And so Alabama maybe gets the ball at the 45, uh, 50 yard line, uh, which is a hell of a lot better than the 11. And so if the punt, if the face mask doesn't happen, Alabama gets earlier in the game, much better field position, maybe, maybe is able to uh, do something with that. I think the offense or rather the Auburn defense is not as aggressive when uh, when you got a team backed up to the 11 
If it's midfield, maybe they play a little bit more conservative. It's hard to predict these things, but you'd always rather have the ball on the 50 than the 11, right? I mean, that's just how it works. Uh, that's science. There was another play. Dallas Turner uh, was called for roughing the passer. Now, I thought it was ticky-tack. I really do. Uh, I do think, uh, and it's hard to sort of legislate that out because uh, he took a step. Did he hit him? Was did he did he hit the passer? Yes. Was it roughing? Was a full on roughing? No, it it wasn't. It was called, and so you got to just know maybe a let up on this one because you know the ball's out. But uh, the play, the roughing happened uh, third and seven at the fifty, and. Uh, it, obviously, if they punt, you know, from the 50, then, you know, Alabama is still going to get pinned, but not quite as bad. Uh, as it turns out, that stalled, that drive later did stall. So, again, they still punted. But instead of punting from the 50, they punted from the 39 and and they punted 37 yards. And so net 37 yards, Alabama got the ball at the two. And so, again, we're doing transitive math and it's not 100 percent, but I'd rather have the ball, you know, closer to the 15 than the two. And that's the 11-yard differential from punting at the 50 versus punting at the at the 39. Again, a little closer uh, scrutiny on that. It's hard to say that uh, that was 100% his fault because I actually thought it was a bad call. But you know, it's something you can learn. Maybe you don't drop them down. Maybe you just wrap them uh, in that in that situation. And in the 11-yard differential, you know, maybe when they're backed up further, they you know they they let it fly as opposed to. Uh, as, as opposed to trying to cough in corner. It's hard to say, uh, but nonetheless, those are plays you'd rather you, you'd rather not have the, the penalty against. And I will say one thing, when Alabama was backed up on the two, they followed up with a seven-play drive for 44 yards, and so they did move the ball. And so, again, you think if you're at the, at the 15, the 16, you, you know, maybe you have a little more margin to work with. Uh, the, the drive just stalled out, uh, but it was a moderately successful seven-play, 44 uh, 44 yards, just just really couldn't turn it into anything. So again, in a battle of field position, those penalties a couple of times really backed up the Alabama offense. And had those penalties not have uh, happened, it would have put the Alabama offense in, in a little a little better position. Again, that's not mad at Dallas. That's just there's game flow and those things happen, and we forget about them. And what we want to see happen is them not happen again, right? We want to see in like kind situations. Uh, where Dallas is is making a, a little bit of a better decision. And so I promise if we're talking about it here, the coaches are, are coaching him up on that. And uh, it's going to be part of his development. It's going to be part of his evolution as, as a player. And it'll be fun to watch, right? Uh, we don't see Will Anderson have those types of penalties. And so we're going to see Dallas Turner in the future not have those kinds of penalties as well. Let's talk about uh, a couple of the other uh, players on the Alabama defense. Uh, again, I thought there was a really good play uh, across the board. Uh, Jordan Battle had six six tackles. Uh, he had a TFL. DeMarco Hellams had six tackles. He had half a TFL. He had two pass deflections. Uh, he also had a phenomenal play. He had a phenomenal play getting uh, uh, getting Bigsby uh, out of bounds. Uh, but DeMarco Hellams also overran a play, and, uh, and I want to say that was on one of uh, one of Auburn's uh, scoring possessions. So he was he was running to as a little. Uh, a little pass out to the flat to the running back, and DeMarco read it and charged uh, to make the tackle. He he overran it, and the running back slipped slipped under him. Uh, nice little gain there, and so we need Darko, DeMarco to play under a little bit more control. Uh, let's give up four yards instead of fourteen. That kind of uh, that kind of thing. But overall, DeMarco had a, a really really good day. Brian Branch had an active day, only four tackles, uh, TFL, but 
but uh, he he made some pretty good plays in coverage. What's interesting is there was no Malachi Moore. He played some on special teams, but not in uh, in the secondary. And so that's an interesting thing. We've talked about that, not intending to foreshadow that he was going to rotate out, uh, but we have questioned uh, his play, and we've called out multiple games saying this might be his his worst performance. And so what we need, and we jokingly said, I like freshman Malachi more than sophomore Malachi. And I said, hey, I like my college career, my freshman year better than my sophomore year uh, as an adult looking back at it. And so hopefully Malachi sort of gets this uh, straightened out. He's an incredibly talented player. Uh, let's get his head right uh, in a couple of ways. And uh, I think he's going to contribute uh, heavily to this team, uh, you know, this next year. So, and hopefully in the coming weeks, because uh, he is that talented. He also is a player that has had some back, uh, some back injury and he's missed time uh, as a result. And so if you'll remember, he last, uh, he missed the last couple of games last season uh, out for injury. And so you get to the end of a sort of a long, hard season uh, this year, we've played more games in the regular season than we did last year because the COVID. And so maybe there's a wear and tear and grind. It's been more weeks of practice. It's been more weeks uh, of game time. And so I don't know if it's 100% his performance on the field or if it's his health impacting his performance on the field. I don't know that. Saban hasn't talked about it. Uh, it this week, we may see some questions about that. Uh, if I had an opportunity to be in a press run, want to ask him those uh, types of questions, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, someone someone will. So we'll keep an eye out for number thirteen in the secondary, Malachi Moore. It's just an interesting sort of development, and you know, Q and A opportunity there. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Kool Aid McKinstry. He started in place of uh, Jalen Amore Davis. Uh, Jalen uh, Amore Davis has had uh, been dinged up a little bit, and so uh, we talked about it on the Zoom call would would Kool Aid start for Joe? And I said yes. Uh, and then and I got confused because I saw Kool-Aid and Job on the field. And I said, well, that's not what I predicted. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he started for uh, Jalen uh, Amore Davis, and hopefully he's going to get right, and then we'll have some depth, uh, some additional depth, because McKinstry played phenomenal, uh, especially one of the overtime plays. Uh, his receiver uh, sort of tracked across the end zone. And the whole idea there, especially against a young you against any defender, but you think of a you're doing this against a true freshman. Uh, you're going to run across and you're going to rub him off somewhere because someone's going to cross his, his face and he's going to either you know go back with that guy or he's going to sort of get lost in sort of running across the field. And McKinstry stayed in his hip pocket uh, just incredibly and it was able to bat the ball away. So uh, good good play, uh, McKinstry. There it was a play that helped us. Uh, that helped Alabama win the game. And so he's he's a youngster that is continuing to develop and play well uh, and seems to play better every time he's on the field. So hopefully uh, hopefully we still have some of his best football coming up uh, even this season. Let's talk mini game ball. You know, a couple of things that, that really stand out to me. You know, Hellum's slinging Bigsby uh, out of bounds. I think a lot was made of the time that that saved Alabama. Uh, which you know was which is at a point where I don't know that as Alabama fans we were listening to that because we thought we we're going to lose this game, uh, but it turns out those those 40, 45 seconds whatever they were we scored the touchdown with twenty four seconds left so we were in that we were in that buffer uh, we were we were using some of the seconds that Bigsby going out uh, going out of bounds uh, helped preserve uh, for us so that was certainly a big play and I want to shout out uh, sort of lost in all of these you know, singular other magical uh, big plays. 
Byron Young, wow, he had a big day. He really uh, showed up, and uh, he had four tackles. At one point, it looked like he got dinged up, and the announcers never talked about it, and he was slow getting off and, and limped off. But he came back, uh, big number 47, defensive end. Uh, he had four tackles. He had uh, one-and-a-half TFLs, and he had a uh, quarterback hurry. He really had a phenomenal day for the the tied defense, and that was that was really good to see. Let's talk about special teams. A little bit, uh, you know, we talk about uh, all three phases of, of the offense. It's being Alabama's most complete game. Um, you know, if you had to stack who, who had the, the the least of those, I'd have to go special teams because there's, there are more sort of individual negatives uh, on special teams. Uh, but the positives, you know, they, they were must-have. And so Reichert was uh, two of two on field goals, two of two on PATs. Every single one of those was critical. Uh, this, this team played four overtimes, right? Tell me which point you can take off the field, right? Uh, I guess one of the points on the last two-point conversion, because you only need to win by one, which means that every single point that Reichert scored was of maximum uh, criticality. They were needed to keep uh, the score tied. Uh, he had a nice long kick uh, in regulation, and then with even added pressure in overtime, he had a nice uh, kick uh, through the uprights uh, to keep the, to keep the game tied. And so, hats off to uh, Reichert in that regard. There was a bad hold on a field goal in uh, field goal opportunity in regulation. We replaced the holder. <laughs> You're talking about we're just Saban's like quick tr- quick quick draw trigger on uh, subbing people out. Uh, Paul Tyson had a bad hold, and immediately now he's been back there all season long and he had he has one bad hold and he's out and uh and you bring in bring in a backup holder which uh you think do you you think like do you do that and so because what if the backup holder you know botches it but uh you know that was a little bit of a risk it makes you wonder what they're doing in in practice what they're seeing in practice but uh james burnup was the backup holder and uh he executed uh very very uh, well, there's some people that seem to think it was Major Tennyson back there, and 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 it was not. Uh, that was my first thought too, because it was like it was a big, tall, white guy, and so I thought, well, maybe that's Tennyson, but I, it wasn't. It was Burnup, uh, and then as you got closer, you could clearly see that uh, that it was Burnup. But uh, nonetheless, I, that's sort of a gutsy move. I mean, you hate that it happens in the snap, and it's a botch. And you wonder, well, I mean, you wonder about Tyson in that regard. But uh, 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 but Burnham went up there, and for the couple of kicks that he had, or that that the team had with him as holder, he executed very, very well. So good on Burnup in that regard. Uh, but Burnup, in terms of his uh, his punting, uh, look, we know we know my song and dance on this. Uh, he had seven punts. He averaged uh, just over thirty-seven and a half. Uh, he had a long of thirty-six. He put two inside the twenty. Side note, ESPN uh, ESPN stats is now recording those. So uh, they used to not, but that's interesting. They're doing that. Probably the single biggest frustration I have on uh, special teams, maybe even over the the botched uh, hold, I don't know. But um, Alabama had fourth and 20 at the five, and we launched a massive 30-yard, 35-yard punt from our own five uh, we were only able to muster a 35-yard punt, which is astounding. And then uh, insult to injury, the return unit allowed a 19-yard return. And so Alabama has the ball on the five, and Auburn starts with the ball on the 21. So we net 16 yards there. Uh, earmuffs, everyone, but that's shitty. Um, but what isn't 
is the defense. Uh, they came out and they held and held Auburn to only uh, a field goal, which is phenomenal. It was essentially a three and out with a field goal, and that's outstanding play by the defense. Uh, you set up shop on the 16. You're expecting touchdowns. You're calling plays uh, with touchdown in mind, and for the defense to rise to the occasion, I think uh, I think Demarco had a batted ball, a pass deflection uh, on that series. Uh, for the defense to hold and hold uh, Auburn to a field goal is phenomenal. To expect anything more than that is ridiculous uh, because they could have lined up on the 16 uh, on the first play and kicked a field goal. So, uh, so there you have. But a little bit of frustration that we got such a bad kick, and then we couldn't cover it any better than we did, and we let Auburn set up shop there. That's a play. Let's talk about defense sort of being the, being the hero at different points of the day. If they score a touchdown there, it's a different outcome. Uh, it's a different outcome. They've got 14 points instead of 10, and um, so we can we can see where that uh, that maybe gets us. So lots of room to to improve there, but still the kicks that Reichert made and sort of the the battery on those kicks were phenomenal, uh, including uh, with a backup uh, holder there. So a lot of good to like on special teams, but damn it, there are a couple things that we've got to got to clean up. And they're the type of things that's frustrating that we're at this point in the season and still experiencing, uh, experiencing these things, but that's where we go back. This is a fall team. We know that. All right, so let's talk. Uh, next up, we play the mighty, mighty Georgia Bulldogs. I think depending upon who you listen to, media, maybe even within the Alabama fan base, uh, this is a juggernaut uh, team. They're unbeatable, and uh, we don't deserve to share the field with them. And I don't believe any of that. I think they're a very tough team. I think they're a very good team. And uh, hats off to them. I think they have had moments of fortuitous. Florida just disintegrated in front of them. And uh, Tennessee didn't have the dogs to, uh, no pun intended, but they didn't have the horses uh, for the for the full game. And, uh, you know, we've seen – uh, we've seen what Clemson has done this season, and they gave Georgia uh, more than they wanted to. That's not me disparaging Georgia. It's just saying they're not as invincible as others might have you believe. We're also, uh, the matchup we have with them, it tilts. I don't want to say it tilts in our favor, but it doesn't tilt against us. And so I'm not saying they should be, I'm not saying Alabama should be favored. And I might even stop short of predicting Alabama to win. But the matchups, and you think of matchups making fights, Alabama's offensive line versus Georgia's defensive line is going to be the battle uh, of the game. And Georgia has a distinct uh, advantage there. But if you step back and you look at that through a different lens and you say Alabama's offense against Georgia's defense, well, if Alabama's offense gets rolling – I like Alabama's offense, and I think there will be uh, specific play calls, specific designs. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if more attention was given to to Georgia than had been given to Auburn. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know that that's true, but I feel that. And so I kind of like the Alabama offense against Georgia uh, defense matchup. I don't think that Alabama will be will be, and it's hard to say this coming off the Auburn game, but I don't think uh, Georgia will shut out Auburn or shut out Alabama. And I think Alabama will will score points. I think the Georgia. I think the damn it. I'm getting twisted. I think the Auburn game is more of an anomaly uh, in that regard. I don't think that's the new sort of standard. I think Alabama offense is going to come out and score some points. Uh, flipping the field on both sides, uh, uh, Alabama's defense against Georgia's offense. I, I kind of like that matchup. They have a good offense. Uh, they run and they throw the ball through the tight end. 
Uh, I guess we got to cover the tight ends for real this week. But uh, I like Alabama's defense, and they've continued to improve and play well as the season has gone. Um, if I if I do sort of a, a heart and head, uh, I think my head tells me Georgia probably wins the game, but I think it's probably closer than than what some may uh, pick. If I go with my heart, I've got to find a way for Alabama to win. And so I think if Alabama gets a not a non-offensive touchdown, maybe a short field another time. And so if there's a block kick that sets up uh, either a score or a block kick that sets up uh, an Alabama touchdown, that would that would be perfect symmetry for uh, Kirby Smart decisions in, Al- in Alabama uh, play. Or if there's a, a pick six or an interception that puts Alabama in a short field opportunity, gifting points in that regard. If uh, if we get a couple of those things, uh, which is hard to predict. It's hard to expect. But if Alabama, you, you never know how the ball is going to bounce. Uh, if we get a couple of those things, I think that evens the field. Uh, Alabama is going to have to play their best game. Penalty-free game are close to it. We can't give up 129 yards of penalty. Holy hell. Uh, Saban says it doesn't matter how you count it. 100 yards equals about a touchdown. And so when you give up 129 yards in penalty, you're giving up uh, you know, transitive math, uh, but you're giving up more than a touchdown there. And uh, we could have definitely used that touchdown against Auburn. And uh, we cannot afford to uh, give that to Georgia. We're going to need uh, every bit of it in that regard. All right. So there you have it. Uh, breakdown uh, of this game. Hey, I kind of kidded at the beginning, like this is a therapy session, but there's really something to that. You know, Saban really got on to the, uh, the fans. And I think he, I think he's right. I think, uh, and we talked about that a lot uh, on our Zoom call because it's, hey, Saban's got a double standard here. Yeah, but it, I don't think so. I think it's it's more about it's more about taking care of the team, and so Saban's going to play the angle to to protect the team. Uh, rat poison comes in the way of of inf- external information that can negatively impact the team. Well, praising them up can tell the players they don't have to work as hard and beating them down can tell them that they can't outwork uh, the expectation. And, and both of those can have a negative impact on the performance you see on the field. Both of them can have negative impacts on the player's level of dedication and commitment and effort and energy and excitement and all of those things. And so I think that's what Saban is talking about. Uh, And I think we saw that Saturday. I think, I think the team felt uh, Saban defending them and, uh, they practice well, and which speaks to the messaging. If he came out that hot on Wednesday, that's he's messaging that to the team. They practiced well last week. The energy, the excitement, the exuberance that this team demonstrated in winning Saturday, uh, I think there's going to be some carryover to this next Saturday against Georgia, and I think that's going to be uh, an incredible uh, amount of fun. Uh, I mentioned the Zoom call. I try to mention those every week because they're just hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we had a really good one. Uh, Saturday before uh, before the Auburn game, and uh, we hope if you're uh, a, a member, you'll join those calls because they're an incredible amount of fun. If you're not a member, we hope that you will consider uh, giving us a, giving us a, a ride over there because again, it's an incredible amount of fun. Uh, and some things have sort of spawned uh, sort of organically. Uh, we started uh, within uh, within the Zoom group or within the member group. Uh, there's like a subset that joined the Zooms, uh, and within that group, uh, we've sort of created an email list where we're emailing uh, back and forth, and I think it's even a subset of the Zoom group, and then that group sort of created its own text uh, list, and so there was all, sort of, all sorts of messaging going on during the Auburn game, and we're going to look at uh, how, how do we 
more regularly incorporate that into some of the games, maybe do a game, you know, via Zoom and, and stuff like that. And so some of that's going to be organic. Some of that's going to be, but you got to, you know, you got to be there to uh, participate in it. And so we hope you'll give it a shot. It's a hell of a lot of fun. There are now more than 100, I think it's 110 downloadable private shows uh, over there. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll give that a ride. Again, for two bucks, you can test drive every bit of it, which is just incredible. We'll do Zoom calls in the off season as well. So we hope uh, hope you'll give us uh, some look there. On the Zoom call, we predicted scores. Uh, no one predicted this score, obviously. Uh, but Chip uh, predicted a four-point game. And uh, Mickey predicted a five-point game, uh, lower scoring. So uh, maybe call it a tie uh, between uh, Chip and Mick. But uh, – uh, great conversation with uh, those guys and many others and great predictions and, and stuff. We hope you join us there. If you don't join us there, but you want to support the show and uh, in, in maybe a different way, uh, go to iTunes or your download uh, server and uh, just leave us a review. Uh, candid reviews. But we like the five stars. That helps people find us. That helps us on the rankings. Um, and if you have any questions or want to engage with us, don't hesitate to reach out. Alabama football podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or go to the site, uh, alabamafootballpodcast.com, and uh, there's a contact us uh, sheet there. We do have an interview tentatively scheduled for Monday night with a Georgia site, and so that will post uh, a raw version of that. Uh, we'll post uh, tomorrow night to the um, uh, the member group, and then everyone else will get that uh, later in the week when it gets back from the producer. So I'm going to stop rambling. And uh, as far as I can tell, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.